Hello, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up. I'm back again on Friday afternoon with another interview. Today, I've got Hannon Armstrong, ticker symbol H-A-S-I. I've got Chad Reed. Chad is the Vice President of Investor, Re Investor Relations. And Chad, it's good to see you today. Yeah, great to see you, Brad. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, I wanted to get into first quarter earnings results, but before we touch on that, um, there's been um, you know somewhat of a sell-off in 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 the in the shares, but also in the in the sector in general. Um, and so, can you talk a little bit of kind of what are you what are you seeing out there that really caused this uh, this sell-off? Because obviously, we've been covering Henry Armstrong now for uh, for quite a number of years. And uh, we think it's probably one of the most predictable, you know, business models. But uh, at a high level, what's what's been the uh, kind of market sentiment today? Sure. So I think there are two key factors worth discussing here. The first is that um, in November there was an election, obviously, and then there was a Senate election, special Senate election in, in January, and uh, you know, with the Democrats in control of of all uh, the federal government. There was a bit of market euphoria first period of time as to how that would impact the prospects for clean energy and other um, ESG you know, stories in the market. And so if you actually look at our share press right now, it's, it's uh, trading at what it was in November, uh, you know, right around the time of the election. And so we do think there's been a bit of a sell-off across all of the um, clean energy, solar, uh, yield co, those sorts of names. Um, and we've been kind of caught up in that to some extent. Uh, another factor that, that's worth discussing is interest rates. Um, you know, the perception among some in the market is that, you know, our share price is inherently tied to the level of interest rates. And as interest rates rise, our share price should fall. Um, but, you know, if you look at our history, and, and uh, I'll refer people to slide 11 in our earnings presentation available on our website, you know, interest rates have traded below one, above three uh, since we've been a public company and they're well below three right now. And uh, our earnings have just continued to grow on an annual basis at a pretty attractive clip. So we've done well in lower interest rate environments. We've done well in higher interest rate environments. So um, we think the perception among some of the market um, as regards to the relationship between interest rates and our share price is a little bit, um, and our earnings potential is a little bit overblown. Great. In terms of the, I guess, pipeline of opportunities uh, that you're seeing today, uh, I'm looking at your deck now. You've got about, the portfolio is about 2.9 billion um, with a 7.7% yield. Um, how do you, how do you uh, consider this pipeline? That's 220 total investments, average investment of around $13 million. So uh, kind of framed that way, how do you see the pipeline of opportunities for 2021? Yeah, I think the pipeline has never been stronger. We actually increased our disclosed pipeline from two and a half billion to $3 billion at the end of uh, last quarter. And what we're seeing is strong growth in each and every one of our about 10 uh, asset classes. So whether it's residential solar, community solar, CNI solar, the growth has been strong and, and will likely continue to be strong. You know, policy was a tailwind for four years and we still grew pretty, pretty strongly during that period of time. And now if there is policy action, it'll likely be a headwind, not that we need it, but if it happens, it'll 
likely be positive to our business. Um, so, you know, the solar land business, the onshore wind business, great connected solar, all, all very strong businesses that, um, and asset classes that are growing. And so our pipeline looks very good for the year. You know, we have guided to earnings per share growth, distributable earnings per share growth of seven to 10% uh, annually for the next three years and dividend uh, per share growth of three to 5% each year during that period as well. And, you know, this, this guidance isn't very aggressive. We believe it's, it's fair and based on, you know, reasonable assumptions as to our, our pipeline and, and other, other micro and macro, macro factors. So uh, we can say the pipeline has, has never been stronger. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit, I guess, drill down to the, the, uh, the growth a little bit more. You mentioned seven to 10% uh, growth. And I appreciate that, by the way, not many REITs provide that level of, of uh, 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 clarity, I guess, over uh, future growth, which is great to have. And I appreciate that transparency in the deck. The, uh, but driving that growth, of course, is the, the company's uh, you know, cost of capital. But specifically looking at the balance sheet, you've got about $2.1 billion uh, in li liabilities uh, today and uh, about uh, $1.2 just over $1.2 of that is senior unsecured notes. So how do you uh, feel about your overall cost of capital on the debt side today? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have predominantly long-term fixed rate assets, 18 years is the weighted average life. And, and we actually do have predominantly long-term fixed rate debt. Um, we don't have any uh, material maturities um, that come due until basically 2024. Um, and, and we can, uh, you know, we have the option to, um, you know, call a series of bonds this year and maybe another next year if, if the conditions are right. But um, with regard to our cost of capital, we actually just launched uh, and announced a $400 million sustainability-linked unsecured revolving credit facility. And this, we think, really adds to our funding platform. Uh, this, this facility is with 10 um, banks, you know, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Barclays, Credit Suisse, the big names out there, they have now agreed to provide us unsecured credit. Uh, the, the interest rate is very attractive and it actually, we actually get an interest rate reduction if we hit certain levels of our carbon count metric. So if our investments uh, reduce carbon by a certain level each quarter, we'll actually get a, you know, a handful of basis points of uh, reduction in, in that uh, drawn interest rate. Um, but this, this facility is one of our bank credit facilities. As you mentioned, we, we can also uh, tap the unsecured and convertible green bond market. Uh, we also issue equity, often ATM. And we also have bilateral relationships with the big insurance companies. So we, we sometimes securitize assets and, and, uh, and manage those in uh, off-balance sheet trusts so that are um, you know, on the basis of our bilateral relationships with these insurance companies. So we have these four prongs of our funding platform that are very strong and provide us with a very competitive cost of capital. Looking at your, uh, at your portfolio, predominantly you've got behind the meter, um, assets and grid connected uh, with a very small slice of sustainable infrastructure. Um, where would you say you're focused on most today? Uh, behind the meter or grid connected or what's, what's, what's been the more recent focus? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we think in general, the market is moving very behind the meter and our community solar 
uh, portfolio has really grown from three to five percent of our portfolio um, just over the last quarter. Um, and and um, you know the resi solar and public sector parts of our portfolio also remain very strong, robust. That said, we've we've recently announced a few large grid connected deals um, with clients uh, such as NG and uh, Clearway. You know, big independent power producers and developers uh, now focused on the North American market. And so, you know, onshore wind, solar land, grid connected solar, these are, these are all asset classes that are also growing. So what's great about our position and our portfolio is that we can shift our capital to the asset classes and the deals that really provide us the best risk adjusted returns. And uh, so we're, we're really well diversified in that sense. And um, we really think both sides of, of this market are, are growing. You know, I was looking at your residential solar um, piece of that. Of course, you know, we've been, again, we've been covering the company for a while. It looks like you've really grown a lot there. And, and I just was thinking about it. Um, you've got 178,000 um, consumers um, with, uh, in, the, in the deck, you say very good uh, FICO scores. Uh, what does that mean? And, and, and do you think this housing boom has any effect on kind of what we're seeing right now, because uh, obviously the housing market, as you know, is just, uh, just you know, extremely strong uh, from the home builders to the, you know, home improvement stores uh, all the way down. So has that, has that uh, impacted your, your business model in a, in a favorable way? Yeah, great question. You know, I think a year ago, everyone was concerned about our resi solar portfolio because of, of the recession and the pandemic. And quite frankly, it held up remarkably well during the last year. And that asset class has really been tested and, and at least in terms of our assets has, has come through you know, with flying colors. We do have um, 178,000 consumer obligors. These are resi solar leases. And we're, we have a big partnership and joint venture with SunPower, one of the biggest developers uh, and originators out there. And we actually just announced um, our, our JV with SunPower is gonna be expanding to putting commercial industrial CNI solar assets uh, as well. So we definitely think the resi solar market is poised for growth, um, but we also um, you know, are, are leveraging our existing relationships with those providers to continue our growth in the CNI part of the uh, solar portfolio as well. Yeah, so it looks like you've got residential solar 25%, solar land at 16%, uh, GC solar at 6%, and uh, community solar. So you have a fairly good coverage of solar there across the portfolio. Is that, is that going to be consistent, you think, going forward? Or do you think, uh, is there another area? Obviously, on, uh, the uh, onshore wind is about 28%. Uh, so is that, is that a pretty consistent kind of portfolio uh, weighting? Yeah, you know, we say that our pipeline doesn't look so dissimilar from our portfolio. Um, and so, you know, these numbers, you know, modulate moderately um, every quarter, but, you know, we think that that this is a pretty good uh, portfolio diversification strategy. So I wouldn't expect too wide of swings on a quarterly basis in these asset classes. You know, we're also looking at new emerging asset classes, whether that's renewable natural gas or um, electric vehicle charging or sustainable agriculture. Uh, what's great about our investment thesis and business model is that we are climate positive investors. Uh, that, you know, over the last several years has meant investing in, in power generation assets. Um, 
and, and assets that reduce uh, energy consumption, energy efficiency assets. But going forward, as we begin to decarbonize the transportation and agriculture sectors, there's going to be opportunities there as well, we believe. And so we are actively looking at uh, opportunities in those sectors. And so, you know, in a few years, you, you might see some new asset classes that you don't currently see um, as a part of our portfolio. Great. Well, uh, last question I always like to end on, especially for our, our retail investor audience, is the dividend. Of course, you uh, have never cut the dividend. There was one year I remember, I guess it was in 18, where we didn't increase it. Uh, but obviously, use, you, I remember reporting on that, you were uh, firming up your balance sheet there, uh, and, uh, but never cut the dividend. And of course, now you've been able to continue to grow 1920. So, uh, um, and again, you're, you've kind of telegraphed uh, the market. Again, appreciate that, that information on the investor deck in terms of you know, potential future uh, dividend growth opportunities. So how, 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 uh, how, do you, how well do you feel about the dividend today, the safety of the dividend, and, and, and I guess in terms of the dividend growth uh, for the future? We feel very good about the dividend. As you mentioned, we've never cut our dividend. We didn't cut our dividend during the pandemic, uh, unlike a lot of other REITs out there. Um, and for the first time, we actually gave this dividend guidance uh, at the end of last quarter, you know, as we mentioned, three to 5% a year over the next three years. Um, and that actually is a bit lower than our distributable EPS growth guidance of seven to 10%. So we're actually growing the dividend a bit lower than, than we potentially could um, in part because we think there are so many great investment opportunities. We want to preserve some of that capital and deploy it for uh, accretive uh, opportunities as they arise. So we feel very good about the dividend um, and our guidance reflects that. Great. Well, Chad, this is uh, very helpful. Uh, I appreciate your taking the time, especially on a Friday afternoon. Uh, most people are uh, headed out to the golf course, but you and I are both hard at work. Uh, so thank you for uh, it's good. And by the way, as a shareholder, it's good to see you uh, working uh, late in the Friday afternoon as well. So thank you. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Brad. Always great to chat. Take care. Take care.